This morning's scripture is taken from Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because, so then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Good morning and welcome to our worship service. As always, we're grateful for your presence. If you are visiting with us today, we do want to encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're always grateful to have visitors in our midst, and we want to encourage those who might be looking for a church home please give consideration to the work here at Olive Branch. We would love to have you come and join hands with us as we strive to serve the Lord in this community. We're going to be looking today at Revelation chapter 3, and specifically we want to take note of verses 14 through 22 as we contemplate what the Lord had to say to the church at Laodicea. And the theme of our study today is the stumbling block of apathy. And we want to look very specifically at what Jesus had to say concerning the spiritual apathy of the church at Laodicea, and then note how it applies to us today. I guess one of the things that has probably plagued the church since her inception has been apathy or indifference from her members. It is always a challenge to remain zealous, to be fervent, serving the Lord on a regular basis. And so one of the problems that sometimes will permeate a body of believers is this problem of indifference, apathy, or lethargy. And so today we want to first of all analyze the text and then we're going to try to make some application to our own lives. As we begin by way of application, the first thing that I would call your attention to has to do with the Savior's evaluation. Sometimes what we think and what the Lord thinks are two different things. And certainly that was the case among some of the saints in the church at Laodicea. They had the idea that, spiritually speaking, they were okay. And yet, by way of our Lord's analysis, His evaluation, we find that their spirituality was not what it should have been. And so, first of all, note, if you would, His evaluation of their spirituality, beginning in verse 14. To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Now, one thing that we need to understand is that the Lord sees all and knows all. 
As a matter of fact, when we talk about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we have to understand that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. That's what the wise man said in Proverbs chapter 15. The Hebrew writer said, Neither is there any creature that is not made manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And so God sees all. He knows our works, and he was mindful of the works of the church at Laodicea. On the one hand, he said, I could wish that you were cold, that is, cold to the point of freezing. To the other extreme, he could say, I wish you were hot, that is, to the point of boiling. But he said, rather than being cold or hot, he said, you're lukewarm. The idea here is that they were tepid in their spirituality. They had become indifferent to the work of the church. They had become apathetic. In short, they were lukewarm or lethargic. Sometimes we find that when people obey the gospel, they are very zealous and they're excited. They're on fire for the Lord. And they want to serve the Lord in every way possible. But then over a period of time, their zeal, their enthusiasm, their joy for serving the Lord begins to wane. Maybe that's what happened to the saints in Laodicea. But nonetheless, the Lord characterized them as being indifferent, lukewarm, lethargic, apathetic. But now I want you to think with me, secondly, by way of our analysis of the church at Laodicea, of their self-examination. You see, if you had gone to the church at Laodicea and visited them on a Sunday morning and began to poll their members, I think that you would have walked away thinking that these people were really something, at least in their own eyes. They had a very high view of themselves in their service to God. Note, if you would, what Jesus says beginning in verse 17. He said, you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. Spiritually speaking, they thought they were okay. If you had asked them, do you love the Lord? I have every reason to believe that their answer would have been a resounding yes. If you had asked them, do you love the Lord? Love the lost. I think they would have concluded, absolutely, we love the lost. We love the work of the church. But Jesus said, but you do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. On the one hand, they thought that they were okay, spiritually speaking. But you see, the Lord's analysis was far different than their internal investigation or examination. Now let me just pause here and ask this question. If the Lord were to survey your spiritual life, what would he find? Would his evaluation differ from your examination? Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 to examine ourselves. If we were to take spiritual inventory of our lives, what would we conclude? More importantly, what would the Lord conclude? 
But now let's note the Savior's exhortation. Beginning in verse 18, here's what Jesus said. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus here, because of the great love that he had for these people, chastened them and then encouraged them to repent. That is to turn from their indifference, their apathy, their state of spiritual lukewarmness and begin once again fervently serving him in body and spirit. Here's the question now. How would this apply to us? In other words, how can we, as God's people, make application of what the Lord had to say to the church at Laodicea? Well, I think, first of all, we have to understand that there is always the ever-present danger of lukewarmness in the church of our Lord. It becomes very easy for us to drift and then over a period of time we wake up and realize that we have drifted far from the Lord and His work. And so sometimes there is the need to be reawakened. These people thought that spiritually speaking they could see clearly. And yet Jesus said you're blind. And so when we look at this text, I think that we come face to face with the danger of apathy. That it can literally become a stumbling block in our spiritual lives. Well, you might ask the question, how would that be the case? Well, first of all, it can affect the worship of the church. You see, one of the things that is characteristic of the Lord's church is worship. Jesus said in John 4, verse 24, God is spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is the audience when it comes to worship. And then there is the assembly, because Jesus said, they that worship him, that would be us. There is the absolute of worship. We are to worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus said, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There is the attitude that we bring to worship. The, the idea there is that we worship him in spirit. And then we worship him in truth, that is by his authority. But how can apathy or indifference impact my worship to God. Two ways. First of all, 
my presence. Sometimes we begin to drift when it comes to worshiping the Lord on a regular basis. Now I understand that there are some people that because of responsibilities in their particular profession, they have to miss from time to time. And we also understand that there are people that are sick, shut in, incapacitated for one reason or another, and God understands that. But we're talking about individuals who simply choose to stay home. They could be at worship. They could be present every time the doors are open, but for whatever reason or another, indifference, apathy, lukewarmness, they choose to stay home. And you see, a person that chooses to stay home has some spiritual problems. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. In the first century, there were some who were forsaking the assembly. Those who forsake the assembly rob themselves of the opportunity to worship God in spirit and in truth, to pay God homage. But they also rob themselves of the opportunity to be encouraged by people of like precious faith. The Bible says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Now let me just pause here and ask this question. Are you regular in your attendance to worship? You see, our attendance is somewhat of a reflection of our spirituality. It is a barometer that basically gauges where I am. People typically do what they want to do. I have seen individuals sit in the pouring rain to watch a ball game. I've seen people sit in the stands when snow was falling, when ice was literally caking around them. And you know what? They enjoyed every bit of it. What about our worship to God? Are we that zealous to worship Almighty God? Do we want to be present every first day of the week? But we think not just about our presence, but also our participation. You see, we might be present physically speaking, but mentally we're far away. Jesus said that we have to worship God in spirit, that is with the right attitude. Just a moment ago we partook of the Lord's Supper. And Jesus said... This do in remembrance of me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, he said, As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come again. When you partook of the bread, were you thinking about the death of Christ, the body that he gave on Calvary for your sins? When you partook of the cup, were you contemplating the blood of Christ that was shed for your sins? Now you see, sometimes we come to worship. And I know physically we're sitting in the pews, but mentally we're far away. We're thinking about what we're going to do in the afternoon. We're thinking about what's on the agenda for the week. We're thinking about any number of worldly matters, and so we're just not participating. 
When we sing, are we all singing in our worship to God? Or do we sit silently as others sing? The Bible says, sing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Now it's true that we're singing with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And in so doing, we're teaching one another. We are encouraging one another. But ultimately, we are singing to God. We're giving Him that worship that He is rightly due because the word worship means acts of reverence paid to deity. So when we come together, where's your mind? Are you thinking about what is said? Are you sleeping? I think sometimes we forget about the reverence that God is due in our worship. We're not at a ball game. We're not at the park. We're not here to just go through some type of exercise so that we might get it over with and get back to our daily affairs, but rather we're here for the purpose of worshiping Jehovah God. So first of all, our worship is impacted. But then secondly, our work can be impacted. The danger of apathy, first of all, threatens the worship of the church, but secondly, it threatens the work of the church. Now you might ask the question, how does it impact the work of the church? Let me just begin by saying it impacts the work of the church if we're not going forward, if we're not making spiritual progress in our lives. Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It might be the case that one of the ways that we become indifferent or apathetic is we fail to learn, to grow, to mature as Christians. How much have you grown over the past year? Have you grown any at all? If a baby were to be born into this world today, and three years from today you were to see that baby, and that baby was still in a state of infancy, your conclusion would be something is wrong. If you obeyed the gospel and you've not grown, spiritually speaking, something's wrong. If you're not stronger today than you were this time last year, something is wrong. If you do not know more today than you knew this time last year, something is wrong. The psalmist said he meditated on the law of the Lord both day and night in Psalm 1 at verse 2. One of the problems that characterized the Hebrew Christians in Hebrews chapter 5, he said, when by reason of time you ought to be teachers... You have need that one teach you again the rudiments of the first principles of the oracles of God. What was the problem among those people? They were not growing spiritually. And so instead of being able to teach others, they needed somebody to sit down and teach them again the first principles of New Testament Christianity. That is, they needed to, needed to relearn the ABCs of Christianity. Now what about you? But then a second area would have to do with our labors for the Lord. Christianity should be a labor of love. 
Paul said, be you steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. The Bible says that God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Now let me ask this question. How involved are you in the work of the church? Let's just hypothetically suppose that the work of the church in this community rested on your shoulders. Imagine if you can, somebody coming to you at the, at the close of our services today and handing you the keys to the building and saying, the work is in your hands. Would there be a congregation here a year from now? Let me just be very blunt and honest, if, if I may. You and I know the answer to that question. No, the church wouldn't be here. And you know why? Because we could not count on you to open the building. Because you're not here every first day of the week. It begins with our worship to God and it follows through with our work in the kingdom of God. I think sometimes people have the idea that we just play church. This is not a playground. The church is not a dormitory where people sleep. Rather, the church is a vineyard where people work. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 6, Why do you stand here idle all the day? There are some people that are indifferent, they're apathetic, they're lukewarm. They need to be reawakened. One of the beautiful things about the Bible is it's very transparent. It's not vague, it's not abstract. It doesn't deal in think-sos and maybe-sos, no. It's just very forthright. It's very cutting. And so the Lord just, he tells you right up front what's expected of you. That's why he said, count the cost in Luke 14. Now let me just ask this question. What about your labor in the Lord? Can the elders of this congregation count on you to be involved in the work of the church? Well, what work? Well, evangelism, edification, benevolence. You see, sometimes there is the 80-20 rule that permeates the church. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. What we need is 100% involvement in the work of the church. Now let me just add to this. I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I do not view anybody as an enemy. I'm telling you these things because I love you. And because the Lord loves you. You see, Jesus said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. If the Lord didn't care about the church at Laodicea, he would have left them alone. If I didn't care about you as a Christian, I would leave you alone. I wouldn't say anything that would ruffle your feathers. But you see, sometimes we have to deal with things that are, are tough. And so we talk about our labor in the Lord. Are you laboring in the Lord? And not just our labor, but what about our leaven? Are we a leavening agent for good in this world?
Are we a light for God in this community? Or have we become so indifferent, so apathetic, so lukewarm in our spirituality that if somebody were to see us on the street, they would not know we're a New Testament Christian? Bear in mind, I'm talking to myself. If somebody were to see you, would they conclude you're a child of God? Or because of your speech, your conduct, would their conclusion be just another person in the world? Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, Matthew 5, 13. You are the light of the world, Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. These are things that impact the work of the church. And so we simply talk about our leavening agency for good, that we are the light of the world. Let me close by asking this question. If we were to come up with a scale, one to ten, you know, if you're in the hospital or if you're having problems and you're at the emergency room, sometimes they'll come in and they'll ask you a question. They'll say, on a scale of one to ten, how would you define your pain? It's a four, it's a five, it's a six, it's a seven. If you were to rate your Christianity, what would you say it is? On a scale of one to ten, is it a ten? Is it a nine? An eight? A seven? When I was in school, when we had tests, and if the test had ten questions, if you missed more than three questions, you failed the test. Where are you? Could it be that you need to be reawakened? Could it be that you need to rededicate your life to the cause of Christ? In closing, let me just say this. Think about Jesus. He took 12 men, varying backgrounds. He took those men, he trained them, he tutored them, and these men literally turned the world upside down. You and I have the responsibility of turning this community upside down. Question, will we do that? Will we turn this community upside down? Let it begin with me. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, our plea to you, come to Christ. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3:16. If you're here today... You've not responded in obedience to the gospel of Christ. You've not repented of your sins, confessed his name before others, and been buried with him in a watery grave of baptism for the remission of your sins, as Peter instructed in Acts 2, verse 38. Why not do that today? Why not become a member of the Lord's church? Now, if you're here today and you're not faithful, maybe indifference has become a part of your life. Guess what? We can help. We're here to help. 
We can pray with you. We can pray for you. And the beauty is God will abundantly pardon every sin. Would you come as we stand and sing?